welcome to another exciting podcast from Living Faith Church. It's our hope and prayer that today's message will bring you closer and deeper to the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is our lead pastor, Pastor Dean Hackett. And we, we started way back last fall, uh, started in September last year, talking about that we're supposed to be living like royalty because we are born again, right? We're, we're, we're sons and daughters of God, right? So we should be living like royalty. And then January 1, we started talking about, okay, if we're royalty, then we should be living the kingdom 24-7. How do we do that? What's that all about? Well, I'm going to do a mini-series during the month of February inside Living the Kingdom 24-7. Uh, we're going to talk about the kingdom of God is a culture of worship. And so as we talk about it being a culture of worship, we're not only going to talk about it, we're going to do it. Okay? And... Uh, and I, I know you may go, well, wait a minute, but we've we just been worshiping, haven't we? Well, yeah, but I would like us together to learn how to take our personal worship to another level. Amen. So that we, we are developing in our own heart and life a culture yes. of worship. Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and go, this might be fun. This, this, this might be fun. This, this might be a little fun. So, Father, teach us. Father, speak to us. Father, open our understanding and give us wisdom from above. Lord, help us see with our eyes what we've not seen before. And empower me to speak to your praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So living the kingdom 24-7, we've, we've discovered that the kingdom of God has a culture, has a language. The kingdom of God obviously has a king, right? Has a leader, has royalty. It has laws. It has borders. Also has an enemy. And we've been talking about the culture now for a little while. Last week, Pastor Dave talked about the culture of thankfulness. That that's a significant part of the culture of the kingdom of Almighty God. But we we read this morning in Psalm 100 that the kingdom of God is also a kingdom of worship. That that's just a part of the culture of the kingdom of God is worship. Make a joyful shout. Come before his presence with singing. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him. Bless his name. That's all worship. That's all worship. But let's, let's look at some other scriptures that, that uh, help us see even more this culture. So in the book of Revelation, if you want to turn there with me to the book of Revelation, we're going to read there. While you're getting there, I'm going to make a commercial. Isn't this fun how you're, you're watching a movie and right in the middle at the most important point, they stop. 
Let me tell you about chiffon or whatever, right? Okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make a commercial because I knew I've got your attention. Okay, every guy, stand right now. Every guy in the room, stand for me. All you guys. All you guys. There we are. Guys, look at this. Hey, come on, give yourself a hand. Look at these guys. Woo! All right. Woo! Makes you want to do a chest bump. Come on! Whoa! Iron sharpens iron. But instead of doing a breakfast next Saturday, we're doing a dinner meal on Friday. Okay? And so Friday night at 6 p.m., we're going to gather in the fellowship hall, have a meal, and then we're going to have a game night. Okay? So don't miss Friday night, guys. Amen? Amen. Okay, look at your neighbor around you and say, see you Friday. Come on. All right. Friday night, 6 o'clock. That's this Friday. That's this Friday. Okay. Come on. Are you at the book of Revelation? <laughs> if you don't have your scripture with me, go ahead and read up here with me, would you? The four living creatures... Each having six wings were full of eyes around and within. They do not rest day or night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sit on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Hey, look at the next one. Also in the book of Revelation. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. How many is that? A lot, yeah. That is a whole bunch. Look at this. Look what happens. They're saying with a loud voice, they're saying with a loud voice, They're saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches. Come on, with a loud voice. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Come on, praise Him. Oh, yes, Lord, you are worthy. You are worthy. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and that are in them, I heard saying, ready, here we go, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Come on, hallelujah. 
Yes. Then the four living creatures said, Amen. And the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. Now that's, that's in the beginning of the book of Revelation. Okay? Chapter 4 and chapter 5. But go all the way to the 19th chapter. Look what we find. Then came from heaven the throne saying... Let me say it again, please. Then a voice came from the throne saying, Praise our God, all you his servants, and those who fear him, both small and great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. Wow, yes! The kingdom of God is a culture of worship. It's a culture of worship. King David understood this. And he must have he must have discovered it while he was out caring for his father's sheep day after day. We know he was a musician. Today he would be a guitar player, okay? When when we think of a harp, we, we think of that really big instrument that kind of leans against you and you and you, you pluck it and uh, but that's, that's not the kind of harp that the Old Testament talks about. It, it's more in the nature of, of a guitar. And David played and sang, and, and he wrote half the Psalms. Playing and singing to the Lord. And, and he, he discovered that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of worship. And, and I've often wondered, it, it, it must have kind of startled his mighty men of valor at first. And I don't know if they ever really got comfortable with it. But they, they would be getting ready to go to battle. And here David would go out by himself and play and sing and worship Almighty God. And get the battle plan and then come tell them how they were going to go do the battle. And, and you know, he was a man. He didn't just kind of sing. Like most churches, you look around and you see the guys kind of like this. Maybe sometimes their mouth moving. But nothing coming out. Just their mouth moving. Okay, nothing really coming out. And, and the reason, because in, in, in our culture, worship has become a woman thing. But it's interesting, in the Old Testament, it was a man thing. Yeah. Yeah. Worship was very manly. And I'm telling you, you don't get any more of a man's man than King David. Yeah. I mean, this was the guy who would go to war and 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 thought nothing about it and yet he was a man that learned the power of having a personal culture of worship because the kingdom of God is a culture of worship it's a man thing that's why I like manly kind of songs kind of songs that guys don't have any problem singing. Like, like the one we were just singing, right? I love that. 
Okay? Don't give me the ooey gooey. I'm not comfortable with that. Don't like watching movies where there's a whole bunch of necking and kissing going on. But I like it when there's a good car chase. (laughs) And if there's some 357s going on, that's even better. I'm a guy. Come on, right? Any any man identify? (laughs) Come on, yeah. But at the same time, can I tell you, I've, I've learned from personal experience how much worship means to me as a man. And how significant that can be in my life. It's awesome. It's awesome. And, uh, and I, 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 don't, I don't stand well when there's worship. I kind of have to move. You know? Kind of have to move. And I got to tell you what... what really tickled me the other day. I was, I was watching a video of our president. This was, this was back when he was still campaigning and he was at a Pentecostal church and he was right down on the front row and he was dancing. I went, like that guy. Okay. Don't know anything else about him, but I like that he likes to worship. Come on. I like that he likes to worship. But listen, and, and that wasn't a political statement. That was just a statement that, that guys, yeah. worship is a manly thing. But there's another interesting thing that I find in Scripture, though, because this worship that King David had was lost by the time Jesus came to earth. Where when you read about King David and he had all these instruments and they had worship going on 24-7. He had, he had trained singers and musicians to, to be around the, the, uh, the tabernacle where, where the Ark of the Covenant was that he had set up in Jerusalem. And tw- worship was going on 24-7 and all that. But by the time you get to the time of Jesus Christ, instruments are not allowed in worship. The only ones that got to sing were, were the Levites. And, and, and it, it, was, it became very, very controlled. And, and the spontaneous worship was, was gone that had been there with, with the time of David. And, and that whole worship had been lost. And Jesus is on a journey north. He had been in Jerusalem. He's going back north to the Galilee area. And the scripture says in John chapter 4, he must needs go through Jerusalem. Well, that's, that, you, you have to understand the depth of that because that... That's going through the mountain country. The easier way to go to Galilee would be to make the 2,500 foot drop down from Jerusalem down to Jericho and go up the Jordan Valley. That was the easier. It was the longer journey, but it was the easier journey than going through all the mountain range that you go through when you go up through Samaria. But the scripture says he must needs go through Samaria. And the reason is because God had a divine appointment for him. At the community of Sychar which was a community that had been founded by Jacob. And Jacob had dug a well there. And Jesus gets to that community and he sits down by Jacob's well, which is outside the community. They have another well inside the community. 
And, and as he is there, the disciples go, we'll go get lunch. They go, okay, good. There's a Burger King in town. And so they, I'm just making it modern day, okay? And, and so they go into town to get lunch. Jesus is there by the well. Out comes this woman to the well. And the reason she's coming outside the community to the well, because she's an outcast. Because she has been married five times and now she's living with a guy. And, and she's an outcast. She comes to the well and Jesus starts talking to her. He breaks all the rules. He's talking to a woman. He's talking to a Samaritan woman. And she's confused. She goes, why are you talking to me? He goes, you came out here because you're thirsty. But if you had asked me, I would give you living water. And he leads her to salvation. And in the midst of that conversation, she brings up worship. She said, I don't know. Because you say that what you worship in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. We say we worship here on this mountain. And she's kind of doing like we contend to do today. You're talking to someone about Jesus, they go, well, but I'm a Baptist and you're a Pentecostal and the twain shall never meet. (laughs) Really? That's right. Now let me see. Let, let me let me get this right. That Baptist preach, you got to repent from sin and receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to get to go to heaven because Jesus is the only Savior of mankind. Pentecostals preach, you got to be born again. You got to be born again through coming to Jesus by faith because by His blood and by His sacrifice on the cross is the only way you can be saved. Didn't that sound to you like we're saying the same thing? We get so goofy as human beings. Don't tell them yet. But when those people that say we're wrong because we're Pentecostal, when they get to heaven, it's going to be really noisy. <laughs> didn't, didn't, you, didn't you just read it? Didn't you just say it with me? Like, it's like the sound of thunder. It's like many waters. Let me, let me give you an example of what it means, but it's like many waters. How many have been to Cannon Beach? Let me see your hand. Come on, you've been to Cannon Beach or somewhere near Cannon Beach. Come on, hands up high, you've been there. Have you stood there and listened to the ocean? Real peaceful and quiet, isn't it? Have you ever been there when the storm is going on? One of the things Wanda and I love to do is go to Lincoln City and, and stay at a hotel right on the water when storms are coming in. And we crack the little sliding door open, turn the fireplace on, get on the novels and listen to the storm and read. It's really peaceful. <laughs> Can I tell you, I don't want to be outside. I just like being there in with the fire and listening to it. Listen, Terrence, we, th- what's going on here is this woman is going, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Right worship is what happens here. And you say right worship is what happens in Jerusalem. And Jesus looks at her and says, I'm telling you, the hour is coming and now is. When neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem shall you worship God. For God is a spirit. 
And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know what, what Jesus is saying? It's not a matter of location. It's a matter of the heart. And God is changing it. He's going back to like it was with David. And that's why in Acts chapter 15, when the disciples are trying to decide, do all these Gentiles getting saved have to become Jewish? And the answer was no, they don't have to become Jewish. Because, listen, because God is restoring the tabernacle of David. And the tabernacle of David was a tabernacle of worship. God is restoring the culture of worship to the kingdom of Almighty God. And the Jews don't have to become Gentiles. They can remain their Jewishness, keep their Jewish festivals, keep their Jewish, uh, their, their whole way of Jewish worship. But Gentiles don't have to become Jewish either. All we have to do is be born again by the blood of Jesus Christ and the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit. And we can worship just like they can worship. Come on. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Now, what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth? Isn't it amazing? Does it amaze you that the Lord Jesus himself said, the Father is seeking worshipers? That's amazing, isn't it? Not just somebody who goes to church. But worshipers. And not just something you do on Sunday. A culture of worship in your own life. He's seeking worshipers. What does that look like? Well, in spirit and in truth. Spirit is the expression of the heart. It comes from the heart. Now, I want to pause right here because this is something very, very important. And we're going to look at this in, in a couple of weeks when we start talking about how does worship match your love language. Okay, if you've got a really fractured, broken heart, you've got a whole bunch of past hurt in there, and you've got abandonment going on in there, you've got victimization going on in there, or you've got, you've got resentment, or you've got bitterness. If you're one of those people that's easily offended, you ever met anybody like this? You ever met anybody like this? They have their hands on their hips, and their feelings on their elbows, and they're just going around, just waiting. So you just rub me wrong. <laughs> That's a weird way to live. But there are people that live like that. Their feelings are right here, and they're always easily offended. Dear ones, listen to me. American culture is marinated. In offense today. It's, the blacks are offended at the whites and the Hispanics are offended at people and and, and, and it's just and, and it's being fomented continually. And there was and the media is fomenting this. Constantly offended. The women are offended at the men. The men are offended at the women. And it's just, it's, and you just, you just look at this, and this whole thing, and you just got this fomenting anger because everybody is offended. Dear ones, if there's any place, any place on planet Earth, 
where that spirit should have no place at all is in the kingdom of Almighty God. We must learn to live free from the spirit of offense. Come on, let it go. Turn away from that. Turn away from it. Because you cannot develop a heart of worship when you've got a heart full of offense. One of the reasons that there's such a significant number of people who no longer want to go to the house of God is because they're offended. They're offended. They're offended at the church. Nobody said the church was perfect. We're all born again, but we ain't perfect, baby. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't stick around here because you'll mess it up. Because we're not perfect around here. And, and, and here's the odd thing. Have you noticed, as I've noticed, every one of us seem to have a foible of some kind. I mean, it would be really awesome if everybody was as perfect and good as me, but you guys aren't. I just messed that up, didn't I? No, I like to say, if you guys think you got foibles, please don't ask Wanda. Okay. She's got pages and pages. Because we're, we're all, we all, we all live by these words. Listen closely. Please be patient. God's not finished with me yet. Amen. We are all, we are all a tapestry of God still being made. And while we're born again, we're not perfect. And so we're, we're a house of people that love Jesus with all our heart and love one another. But man, if you hang around us long enough, there's going to be something that's going to offend you, something that you're not going to like. You're going to find a p- part of our personality you're not going to like. And what we're asking you to do is don't look at that. Look at the good part and love us for what's good in us and don't focus on what's wrong with us. Because if you'll stick around long enough, you'll find Jesus is working on that and he will keep working on it and he will heal it. Come on, amen? Amen. Come on. That's a culture of worship. And the only way one and I've been able to stay married for 46 years is she is more than willing to go, bless his heart. I'm just not going to look at that part. I like this over here, but bless his heart. Keep working on him, Jesus. Keep working on him. And she's learned she is not God. So it's not her job to fix me. But it is her job to pray for me. Oh, God, fix him. Oh, God, fix him. (laughs) Amen? We do that. See, and, and when our heart is free from that, now we can have a heart, a spirit of worship. Yes. Yes. And truth. I hear people say this. Yeah, I probably ought to look at the time, isn't it? There's spirit and truth. Listen, I hear people say this. Well, brother, I worship God in my own way. 
and, and, and they mean that. You know, I go out to the woods and I worship God in my own way. When you kneel before Jesus, let me know how that worked for you, will you? Because there's an odd thing in Scripture. God prescribed the worship. And when he said, I want you to worship me in spirit with a free heart, I want you to worship with me in truth. Because I have showed you in my holy word how to worship me. What is acceptable worship? And so when you're saying, I'm worshiping God in my own way, what that really is, it's a statement of stubbornness and pride. And Almighty God wants you to take that stubbornness and pride and melt it in his presence and be willing to worship him his way. Because he is living God. And as living sovereign God, he does not have to get your approval. He prescribed it and he says, worship me in spirit and worship me in truth. And next week we're going to look at how worship is a mighty weapon. And we're going to look at the nine Hebrew words for worship. And it will show us how Father wants us to worship him in his way that is pleasing to him. Go ahead. Give him a praise. Go ahead. Lord, we give you praise. Lord, we give you praise. Now, just a little, we want to take just a little, a little peep sight view and what that looks like. And it's found for us back in Psalm 100. It gives us a peep sight view. It says to shout joyfully to God. And let me tell you what a shout is not. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Men, I, I want to talk to the men here for a moment. Back in the 80s and early 90s, some dear friends of mine, they have had season tickets to the Seahawks from year one. And uh, they would invite me to the Monday night games and then the preseason games that weren't on Sunday. And, and I would go, and, and, and we would be there. And, and this was back in the kingdom, okay? And the wave would start. And it would start over here, and it would come around. And anybody know what the wave is? Okay, okay, okay. You got it? Yeah, you got it. And, and I would I would be there, and they would, you know, and and it would go by me, and I would go. I can't do that to a man. I can't I can't do that to a man. I can only do that to one. And I would sit there, and there I go, and and I, I'd stand up, but I just couldn't do this to to a man. And 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 and, and I watched that, and and I would see guys there, and they would be painted in Seahawk green and blue 
And I would see women there in the weirdest outfits and, and, and they're just going crazy. And, and I would go one day, Jesus, one day, I want to come to the kingdom and watch this crowd do a wave to you, Jesus. One day, one day. And in 1994, Coach Bill McCartney held a men's meeting at the kingdom. 65,000 men. Men. And we're there. And we're listening to T.D. Jakes, Dr. Jack Hayford, and Coach McCartney. Now talking about Jesus. And it's kind of a pause moment in the meeting. And all of a sudden, as we're, and what's so funny is where we're sitting, we are within 20 feet of where my friend had their season ticket seats. It's so funny. I'm going, this is just crazy. And down on the lower part, were you there, Reagan? Down on the lower part, you're going to remember this. Down on the lower part, some guy jumps up and hollers, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? And he points to the other side. You remember this? And, and then the whole side of this, I jumps up and they holler it back to them. And then they holler it back to them. And then they holler it back to them. And then they holler it back. Pretty soon the whole stadium is jumping up doing this. Then all of a sudden, way in that corner over there starts this wave. Now I'm telling you, there's not an empty seat in the stands and the football field is filled with tears. There's not an empty seat in the house. And it starts. And I'm watching this wave come and I'm going, yes, yes. Oh, yes. And it got to me and I went, yeah. Come on. If you can do that for the Seahawks, why can't you do that for Jesus, sir? I love Jesus. Yes, I do. Jesus. How about you? Shout joyfully. I am not going to finish this sermon today. I can see that right now. There's gladness in singing. Singing. Oh man, don't you love to sing to Jesus? Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. God is, go ahead. Praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of His name. I sing for joy. Come grab a bike and lead it. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you, 
sing it again. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. You don't need a keyboard. Sing it a cappella. seated. place where there is 10,000 times thousands and thousands of thousands. Can you imagine the wave going on in that stadium? Man, joyful shouting, gladness of singing, thanksgiving and praise. We, we were talking this week, Pastor Dave and I, and we were just kind of going, how in the world did God Almighty reach down into our families and pluck us out? You, you'd, been, you'd been smoking dope just the night before, right? And I was wickedness personified. Filled with hate. I was absolutely an inferno of hate and anger. <clears throat> and, and God reached down and saved me first in our family. It had been so much easier if you had saved my oldest sister. She's so much nicer than me. 
my mom. But he reached down and saved me. When is the last time with just authenticness and sincerity, you just spend time just saying thank you to Jesus for what he has done in saving you. If you grew up in a Christian home, you still had to deal with pride. You still had to do with selfishness. You still had a sinful heart. And he had to save you just like he had to save me. Amen? Amen. When is the last time in thankfulness all you could do was just spend time praising him? Thank you. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. Wow. And in Psalm 100, he acknowledges the Father and his true identity. He is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. Boy, that kind of slaps the guy who thinks he's a self-made man right in the face. No, we can't make ourselves. He made us. And it's acknowledging who Father really is. And expresses personal admiration and love for Father. This is worship. This is worship. And, and it makes us jump immediately over to Psalm 150. And Psalm 150 is an incredible passage of Scripture. Um, let, me, let me get there with you. <clears throat> if I can get my button to work. There we go. It's the last psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalm 150. Listen to these words. I love this. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. Dancing's okay in church. Praise Him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise Him with loud cymbals. I hate them drums. Well, you got a problem. There's going to be lots of drums in heaven. Nate's going to love it. Let everything that has breath stop. Turn to your neighbor and say, are you breathing right now? This is talking about you. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Come on, praise him. Our worship is rooted in acknowledging the greatness of our God. And then celebrating his mighty works. Let's look at a few of them. No, no. <laughs> 
She'll get there. You, you, you got to see this. These are some pictures from Hubble. Canis Major. Look at that. Look at that. That's amazing. That is out there in the heavens. Go ahead and click the next one on for me. Pandora's Cluster. Look at this. Star V838. Is that amazing? Look at that. God made that. How about Saturn? Is Saturn beautiful? And Spiral Galaxy. That is amazing. How about this Spiral Galaxy out there in heaven? God in his creation made a galaxy that would declare the redemption of mankind. I mean... Is that a mix? Oh, that just happened. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Saying this just happened is like saying a man collected all the neighbor's junk in his garage for 10 years and then set off dynamite in it and out came a Mercedes. God, his greatness and what God greatly desires in your life, dear one, is that you would develop in your life a personal culture that daily you take time to acknowledge his greatness, his wonder, his majesty. That you take time to shout to him what a great God he really is. Maybe it's in your car on the way to work. You got 15, 20 minutes there. Stop listening to the talk show host. Turn it off and start praising God and telling God how wonderful he is. And and just, just listen. If you can't do anything else, think about the children of Israel... Crossing the Red Sea on dry ground. Are you kidding me? When I was taking some of my undergraduate stuff, one of, my, one of the courses I had to take was, uh, was world history. And they started way back in the study of the, of the uh, uh, Mesopotamian Valley and, uh, and, and then on up through Egypt. And, and, and uh, in, in, one of, in one of the books, they talked about how the, that the children of Israel, when they left Egypt, they didn't go through the Red Sea. They went through the Reed Sea at the north because the Reed Sea was only ankle deep. And, uh, and when we got to that part, I raised my hand. He said, yes. I said, that's amazing. He said, what? I said, God drowned an entire Egyptian army in ankle deep water. <laughs> How stupid can you be? Right? Come on. But think about it. Think about how God 
gave them water from a rock. Listen, it wasn't just this little stream flowing out of a rock like we'll do sometimes when we're driving over on the coast and, and you pull up and here's this little stream coming out and you go over and you, you fill a bottle with it or something. That's not, listen, a million and a half people had to drink out of that little stream. Amen. Come on, we're talking about the Columbia River. God had to give them the Columbia River. You got a million and a half people. You got the size of the city of Portland. Come on. You're not going to do that with a little trickle coming out of a rock. I mean, it's amazing. And, and we, can, we can think of the mighty works of God and give him praise. And I mean, man, that, that will fill your car all the way from home till you get the job and back home again. Just, just doing that. Amen. Then when you start thinking about how God's intervened in your life, how God has transformed things in your life, how God has healed you. Oh, listen, dear ones, Almighty God is so great and awesome. And he wants us to develop in our life a culture that we regularly and daily proclaim his greatness and express our personal love and appreciation to him. culture of worship. We are so blessed that you join us online today. For more resources on how you can grow your relationship with Jesus Christ, visit us online at www.winacity.com. If you would like to speak with someone about your relationship with Jesus Christ or would like prayer, you can contact us at 541-567-4486 or email us at info at winacity.com.